BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be rounding up the weekend's Premier League action. We're going to be breaking down all the big stories. The Gunners continue on their winning run. Manchester City made a bit of a statement having beaten Liverpool so comfortably just before our game versus Leeds. Graham Potter finally received his marching orders. Brendan Rodgers was sacked over the weekend too. Lots of action down at the bottom of the table and lots of action with regards to the race for the top four. We're going to be breaking it all down, dissecting all uh, as much as we possibly can uh, during this edition of the podcast. It's the Chronicles of Aguna and we are live. Hey everybody, welcome along to the show. Hope you're all good, hope you're all well. Hope you've had a fantastic weekend and a brilliant Monday so far. The sun is shining in North London. Uh, I, for one, am pleased about that. It certainly helps my mood. Uh, I probably should have pulled the blind down a little bit before we started. Am I going to have to, mid-podcast, once again, lean over and pull the blind down? Do you know what? I'm going to do it now. How unprofessional of me, but it's blinding. I mean, listen, I moan about the weather a lot. I'm one of those people. It's a very British thing, isn't it, to complain about the weather all the time, but it genuinely has a big impact on my mood. So for the sun to be shining, Arsenal to be sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League, it's a pretty good day, although there are some very nervy days uh, to come in the next few weeks, and we've got to be prepared for that. Uh, Big hello to everybody joining us live in the chat as uh, we... Are, um, are just kicking off the podcast. Big hello to Jimmy, who says, Hi, Harry, finally going to catch you live. Welcome along to the live stream, my friend. Good to see you. Big hello to Steve, uh, to Creambone, who says, uh, Greetings and salutations, young Harold, on this fine Monday afternoon. Delisu says, Love that banter between Arteta and the journalist regarding the wild dreams. Uh, hello, Harry, and to you, uh, all gooners. Uh, big hello to Nina. We've got Justin in the chat as well. He says nine more games 
Amway League champions Joe Huss says, Harry, heard you laughing in the background of the Five Live interview. Mate, I couldn't help it. It was so unprofessional. It was literally so unprofessional. So for those of you that missed the last episode of the podcast, what I'm referring to is uh, when Ben White was interviewed after the game, which I'm sure a lot of you heard, uh, Ben White was asked if uh, he have he had sat and watched any of the Manchester City game, if Mikel Arteta had allowed them to sit and watch the Manchester City game. And he gave it the whole, I don't watch football, so I was fully focused on this thing. But because of all the shit that he's got for saying that he doesn't really like football, he's not a big football watcher, um, he's not somebody that sits and, and watches it regularly or, or pays much attention to what goes on elsewhere. I, I just... I couldn't help it, but I couldn't hold it in. I was in the room. I was about a meter away from Ben White um, in the sort of radio huddle. For those of you that don't know, when a radio interview is done or when the radio interviews are done by the broadcasters, what tends to happen is that the clubs don't put the manager or the player up for each radio station one by one. They do it in what's called a huddle. So you'll have BBC Five Live, Talk Sport, um, and you'll have whoever else is covering it for radio in a group and they'll all do it like a group interview. And the rights holder, the main rights holder will get the first questions. In this case, it was five live. And yeah, it was just it was just funny. Like I just because I know the backstory to it. I guess if you're not really an Arsenal fan or, or that close to the club, you, you probably wouldn't have found that all that funny. But I certainly did. I found it hilarious. And um, yeah, got a lot of time for Ben White's shithousery. Got to say that. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Henry says, good afternoon, H. Some wanted Conte, some wanted Ancelotti, some even wanted Benitez, and others said Brendan Rodgers. All appointed to other Premier League clubs and Arteta has outlived and outshone them all. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box before we dive into today's topics? Uh, Mr. E says, come on, Everton, smash the spuds. Of course, Tottenham away at Everton this evening. That kicks off in a roundabout... At uh, three and a half hours time uh, at the time of recording uh, for Luso says, hello, Harry, trust you're doing great. Do you know that every Arsenal first team player has scored this season? Every single one except Ramsdale, of course. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, what else have we got uh, in the chat? I'm going to take a couple more comments and then we'll dive into uh, the topic. Salah says, hi, Harry. It is incredible how far Arsenal have come. And 13 sackings already this season, including Potter, who was deemed to be better than Arteta by the media. Edison says, Harry, do you think we could play our normal top three, Martinelli, Jesus and Saka, with Trossard in the Xhaka position? Do you think that can work? I'm not sure about that. Uh, i got to be honest. I think Xhaka gives us a lot. And maybe we'll come on to that a little bit later on in the show when we do a bit of a Q&A. So hold fire on that question. Keep hold of it. And drop it back in uh, a little bit later in the chat so it doesn't get lost. But right, let's um, let's uh, get into it for today. Uh, so Arteta uh, talking about his wild dreams in the press conference has sparked quite a bit of discussion. Um, a really good comment, a funny comment, a comment that Mikel Arteta doesn't make after a defeat. Mikel Arteta was in fantastic form after the game at the weekend and having been in a lot of his press conferences and a lot of his interviews this season you know I have come away at times feeling a little bit frustrated like I absolutely love the guy I adore him but he doesn't always give you much uh, to play with as a journalist or, or give you much to report on but on this occasion uh, as I say he was in really really good form and, and I really enjoyed it and he said that you know or somebody asked him a question something along the lines of 
would you have in your wildest dreams imagined X, Y, Z? I think it was something to do with Trossard and the impact that he's had, maybe, but don't quote me on that. And he said, I have really wild dreams. And uh, Amy Lawrence, fantastic journalist, uh, put it back to Mikel Arteta. I assume that those dreams uh, are about football. Um, and that obviously got people laughing. So over the last couple of days, I've been thinking about what Mikel Arteta's wild dreams might consist of. And um, I know that you're going to get some answers that are definitely not PG uh, in the chat box. But I think that Mikel Arteta's wild dream right now is probably to score a last minute winner at Anfield at the weekend and go and celebrate in front of the Liverpool fans that gave him so much shit when we played there um, last time out. And and also... Um, and, and celebrate in front of Jurgen Klopp, who he's had a few moments with on the touchline. So maybe uh, those are what Mikel Arteta's wild dreams are made of. Maybe not as wild as some people are thinking, but yeah, I'm sure he'd absolutely love that. And look, Sunday poses a huge opportunity for Arsenal. Now, Arsenal are, um, you know, in fine form. Liverpool are not, but take nothing away from the difficulty of this game coming up at the weekend. Liverpool are a good side on their day and you don't know if we're going to face them on one of those days. Uh, and obviously Anfield is a very, very difficult place to go. So when you bear all of that in mind, when you take all of that into consideration, you can't be sitting there with any sort of arrogance or, or anything like that going into that game on Sunday. You have to look at it as a very difficult fixture, as are all fixtures in the Premier League. And if we can go there and get all three points, that would be a massive step. The wins against Crystal Palace and the wins against Leeds United were small steps towards where we want to be, steps towards that Premier League title. But a win at Anfield, which is one of the games that City will obviously be looking at and thinking, this is, um, you know, this is one of the opportunities we have to make up some ground. If Arsenal could go there and get all three points, then that would be a really big and significant step towards the title, I think, personally. But even after that, it wouldn't be done and dusted. Trips to Manchester City still on the agenda. A trip to Newcastle, who we're going to talk a little bit about briefly later on because I thought they put in an excellent performance against Manchester United. And um, and obviously that game against Chelsea at home, who will have a new manager maybe by then. Um, or at least have got rid of Graham Potter, so maybe they'll improve by default. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you've got to be uh, mindful of, of how difficult our upcoming fixtures are. Some people say Arsenal have the points on the board. It's theirs to throw away. It's theirs to lose. And to a degree, I agree with that. But our running is significantly harder than theirs. And that's why I'm remaining cautious. I'm behind the team every step of the way, uh, supporting them, etc., etc. But that doesn't mean I don't feel nervous and I don't feel the stress. So, yeah, Arteta's wild dreams. Let me know in the comments what you think Arteta's wild dreams consist of. Um, you could do it in the live chat if you're watching us back later on or listening to this on audio. Uh, then leave it in the comments below as well. If you want to tweet us at Chronicles underscore AFC. Uh, Mikel Arteta's wild dreams consist of and then whatever you want. Go as wild as you can and we'll read out some of them maybe on the next show. That would be good fun. Uh, so what in your mind um, makes an Arteta's makes a wild dream of Mikel Arteta's got my words mixed up there uh, also in the aftermath of the victory over Leeds United there's been a lot of talk about the empty seats that were at Emirates Stadium in the upper tiers 
Um, lots of talk about that. You know, how did that happen? The demand for tickets has been incredible this season. I've had people contacting me from all parts of the globe asking if I can help with any tickets. And the truth is, as I've said to you guys before, I can't. You know, I, w I wish I could sit there uh, dishing out tickets, but it just isn't that easy. You know, the season ticket holders uh, are obviously um, going to attend the games, particularly now that they mean so much from week to week. Um, there is a much bigger demand for the tickets that go on sale to the silver members. There are less tickets than silver members. So the chances of those filtering through to the next round of memberships is difficult. And then you've got red members who I believe this season they're holding back a few tickets for. Um, but even th with those guys, there's way more of them than there is tickets available. So it's become really, really tough to get hold of, of Arsenal tickets. And, you know, when the team's playing well, when the team's performing, that's what you get. I mean, I know when we were back at Highbury, we needed to move because of the size of the stadium. You know, 38,000 uh, wasn't enough, particularly when Arsenal were flying high, um, you know, in the Wenger days and, and when everything was going great and Arsenal were playing not just the best football in the Premier League, but maybe in Europe at a point as well. You know, you could understand why 38,000 wasn't enough. 60,000 seats now in the Emirates Stadium. And... I've had this debate a few times on social media and, and in the office, really, with sort of colleagues and friends and, and sort of just acquaintances via social media. And a lot of people seem to say, well, we should just up the capacity of the Emirates Stadium. We should look to extend it in some way. And the truth is, I don't think that that needs to happen. Um, because whilst I have a lot of sympathy for those who are incredibly dedicated, who love this club, who come from all corners of the earth to watch them, and want to watch them and want to get hold of tickets for years and years and years we haven't been selling out the Emirates Stadium that's the truth of it you know it hasn't been a sellout it's been easy to get tickets in in years gone by and you know imagine we had an 80,000 seater stadium what would it look like on a Europa League night three years ago it would have looked terrible so I don't really think that um I don't really think that we need to increase the capacity, but I do think that things need to be put in place to make the ticket system a little bit fairer. Um, and I think we should reward those who are loyal in terms of their attendance. And I know, again, that won't sit right with everybody because if you're on the other side of the world, how can you, um, you know, how can you be loyal? How can you come every week if you live on the other side of the planet? I get that. But for example, I think the silver memberships should maybe be tiered in that if you attend most games with a silver membership, or, you know, and you can get tickets for most games, you should be rewarded when it comes to purchasing tickets for, um, you know, some of these big games where obviously the demand is higher. Because what's happened is I know people personally who... Um, who are silver members and for the last 10 years have been going to pretty much every game, you know, with the exception of a few where they couldn't get hold of tickets. But then those people who are loyal and, and do go every single week, they are beaten to a ticket for the game against Wolves, for example, on the last day of the season by a bot, by a tout. And that to me is not fair. Now, Arsenal are trying to address the issues uh, when it comes to the bots and the touts and, you know, and I know for a fact that there were stewards going around uh, at the weekend checking up on people, um, you know, checking up on um, on certain seats and, and looking at certain memberships to make sure 
that those tickets hadn't been sold on to random people and and that things were above board so they are making an effort but how do you police this thing it's really difficult um let me go over to the chat because there's a few comments uh on uh this um on this subject hold on a second um doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, Mr. E says, unfortunately, the touts are very organized and have bought several season tickets. Yeah, they are incredibly organized. This is a really complex and sophisticated business. I agree with you. That's why I have some sympathy for the club in that it might take them a bit of time to, to figure out how they're going to stop this. But um, it doesn't make it right. But it is a really difficult uh, thing to, to keep a tab on and, and keep a lid on. Um Paul James says, Harry, on Saturday, the Tout outside Arsenal Underground Station were selling upper tier tickets for £240 per piece and people were buying them. I suspect that is why there were empty seats on Saturday. So Arsenal have been asked for comment on this. Um, I believe it was either the Arsenal Supporters Trust, and forgive me if I've got this wrong, or... Um, or was it Red Action? I think it was the AST, the Arsenal Supporters Trust. I think they asked the club why there were so many seats. And what the club responded was that the seats that were empty, having looked into it, were general admission seats, uh, tickets sold to Red members. So what that suggests is that a load of touts bought up those seats through whatever means, put them at ridiculous prices and didn't manage to sell all of them or upon entry some of those people were caught having bought those tickets off a tout and therefore were not allowed into the stadium some of those memberships uh, had been flagged up for potential ticket touting and so they weren't allowed into the stadium that's what somebody uh, has told me as well I don't know how true that is so just be mindful of that but you know it feels like there was a reason obviously um for the uh, for the problem for the issue and um, it wasn't just Arsenal pretending they'd sold out the stadium when they hadn't, because why would they? So, yeah, it feels like um, feels like that's something that, uh, you know, people are trying to address and, um, and hopefully we can get to the bottom of it sooner rather than later. Uh, let's see what else we've got in the live chat box about that subject before we move on. But um, I guess my kind of summary on that is, look, it's... Um, it's something that needs fixing but I'm not naive enough to think it's a problem that'll be solved overnight and I know that there's a big issue with supporters clubs I know that people are frustrated by the way tickets are dealt with when it comes to supporters clubs so for example I know that there are people who are part of supporters clubs um, who book tickets through their supporters clubs and I don't know exactly how that process works, but I know that um, that's something that some of the Arsenal groups are calling for to be reviewed. And um, and we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see what comes of that, as I say. OK, uh, what else have we got in the live chat box? Uh, quick question from Tariq. How you doing, mate? Long time no speak. He says, Harry, do you prefer the view of the middle upper tier or the atmosphere of the North Bank slash clock end when watching the Arsenal? So... There's nothing for me like the North Bank. You know, there just isn't. I mean, I have a season ticket in the North Bank, in block six, in the corner. Uh, it tends to be the corner that the players run to celebrate in when they score in front of the North Bank, which makes it a little bit more special. Uh, but, 
yeah, um, I love the atmosphere down there. I wouldn't change it for the world. The clock enders obviously improved at the Ashburton Army, regardless of what people think of them. I think have done a good job uh, in terms of, you know, helping the atmosphere down there and, and improving things. Um, the view in the lower tiers isn't anywhere near as good as the middle tier or the upper tier. Let's be honest about that. But the atmosphere makes up for it, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I I prefer the North Bank. I mean, even now, right, a, a lot of the time I'm in the media section and the view there is impeccable, right? It's right at the back of the lower tier, which means you kind of get the best of both worlds because you get the atmosphere of the lower tier around you. But you also get, um, you know, the, the view, the slightly elevated view. And it's much higher up than my season ticket is, which is row 16. So I certainly enjoy the view from there and, and the atmosphere of being in the lower tier. But I think if you're at the front of either the middle tier or the one above that, I think those are the perfect views. That's for sure. Uh, lots of debate going on in the chat about season ticket holders, um, about uh, the idea of increasing the capacity of the stadium. Uh, some of you saying, um, you know, we do need to increase the stadium capacity. Look, I understand why people are saying that. People are saying that now because we're successful and the demand for the tickets is is much higher. But I can tell you from firsthand experience that when we were struggling, when we were languishing in eighth place in the Premier League, within my family, where obviously there's a few of us that go, we had spare tickets from time to time. Um, we never sold them on. We never did any of that. We just had a few spare tickets uh, over the course of the season because someone or another couldn't attend for whatever reason. And I promise you, there were times where I couldn't give them away. There were times when I'd ring up five or six different friends who in the past had said to me, oh man, I'd love to get down the Arsenal more often, but I can't because I can never get hold of a ticket. And I couldn't get rid of these tickets for nothing, for free. So... The minute that the level of performance drops off, I expect us to be back in that situation because there are a lot of fair weather supporters. Um, you know, that's how it goes. There are a lot of people that are well within their rights to say, look, I'm not enjoying it at the moment. And, you know, the team's not performing. I'm not happy with it. And I don't want to go and spend my hard earned money because we all know that it's really difficult in London at the moment in terms of the cost of living crisis and all of that stuff. I People have that right to make that decision. But it tends to be the people a lot of the time, and I'm not saying it about you guys in the chat, but often it's the ones that you can't give a ticket away to when we're struggling that are complaining about the fact that 60,000 is not enough. I think 60,000 is the perfect balance because it's mostly full most weeks. Um, there would be enough opportunity for people to get tickets if the ticketing system was improved. So I believe that's the first port of call rather than, um, you know, rather than uh, looking to expand the capacity straight away. I don't think that's the answer. Not at this stage anyway. I mean, if we were sustainably successful for the next four or five years and the demand continued to be as high as it is, then I think you could make that case and the club might look at it in that instance. But right now, I don't think we need that. Um Don Juan says, Harry, we have 80k on the waiting list. Everyone wants a ticket. I can't get one for the last five games. Uh, mate, I agree that, you know, in an ideal world, there would be more tickets available and, you know, people would all get to go and, and all go to get to attend. But that isn't the reality. You know, that isn't the reality. 
Um, James McNeil says, I nearly gave my season ticket up a few years back. Glad I didn't. Um, Paul James also makes a good point. We can't increase capacity as we've tried, but can't get planning permission due to complaints from residents, noise, transport, litter. It's not easy to expand the stadium. Like, it's not something that the Cronkies can go, oh, you know what, let's do it. Mate, they haven't even sorted out the leaking roof in the bloody East Stand. I was there on Friday um, and, and it was chucking it down. And I was thinking about the poor people that were going to be sitting in the East Stand. I was praying for them that it wasn't going to rain the next day. So expanding the capacity of the stadium is something that we can look on down the line, look at down the line, but it isn't something that is easy. It isn't something that you don't have to crawl through a load of red tape to do. It, is, it can be very complex and it can be very, very difficult. Um, lots of comments coming through on this. Uh, really good debate, really good discussion, really enjoying uh, hearing, of course, what you guys have to say. If I could just quickly ask you, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video, uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new uh, as well. That uh, really, really does help. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's see, you know, let's see what the next step is on this. But what I think the first port of call is, as I've said uh, a number of times now, is guys, let's, you know, let's make sure that um, the ticketing system is as efficient and as fair as it can possibly be. And um, and if we do that, then um, then I think there'll be less complaints and then I think over time, you'll probably see that, you know, yeah, maybe we could do with increasing the capacity a little bit, but it isn't as urgent a need um, as it might feel like it is this season because of where Arsenal are in the table. That's honestly um, how I see it. The problem is these people that are managing to hoover up 40, 50 tickets per game via bots or um, via other means. That, that's the issue. Focus on cracking down on that. And I promise you, we wouldn't be... Uh, in this situation that we're in now. James McNeil says we could get 80,000 every week. We could today. We could now. We could between now and the end of the season. But we couldn't do that um, five years ago. We couldn't do it last year. We couldn't do it 12 months ago. As I say, I've got first-hand experience of trying to give tickets away to people who just didn't want to know. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm not going to get home from work until six. You know, I don't because there wasn't that drive and that enthusiasm to go because of the fact that the team weren't performing. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword and a really, really difficult debate. Anyway, let's move on from the whole ticket stuff. Um, you know, hopefully we'll hear from the club uh, in a little bit more detail moving forward. And when we do, um, maybe we'll be in a position to discuss it further. But at this moment in time. Um, 60,000 is the capacity there or thereabouts and that's what we've got to work with um, and yeah let's see how it goes uh, between now and the end of the season and I'm hope I, I, I genuinely hopeful uh, for those of you that want to find tickets and are trying to find tickets that you will because I don't want you know loyal Arsenal supporters not to be able to have tickets that's not what I'm saying I just think that if we can crack down on the touts and the bots and all of that crap then we're in a much better position instantly and then we can look at it and we can assess whether there really is a demand because Arsenal aren't going to challenge for the Premier League title every single season. And on the seasons where we're not at that level, as we've seen over the past few years, the demand is much less. And therefore, the need to increase the capacity feels a lot less as well. 
Right, before we move on, we're going to come on to talk Ethan Wanieri, who could be leaving the club. We're going to discuss his future. We're going to be talking Graham Potter's sacking. We're going to be talking uh, Manchester United's beating at Newcastle. We'll be discussing Manchester City versus Liverpool and taking some more of your questions and thoughts from the live chat. But before we do that, I just want to let you guys know that this podcast is now brought to you in partnership with NordVPN, named one of Time's 2022 best inventions it's the price of a cup of coffee per month and the benefits i'm sure you'll agree more than justify the cost protect your data whilst traveling and using public wi-fi nordvpn protects you wherever you are in the world you can watch sporting events tv shows and films that aren't available in your region and as football fans i can tell you that's a pretty helpful benefit uh, to have you can also purchase flights subscriptions and more at cheaper prices by logging in from another virtual location uh, you can grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash chronicles afc to get a huge discount off of your nordvpn plan plus four additional months for free it's completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee if you don't know what it is Check it out. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Because um, it is uh, it is something that you can really benefit from if you know what you're doing. And as I say, it's the price of a cup of coffee per month. And, you know, you can log in, for example, to Netflix and set your uh, VPN to the United States of America and you'll get a different uh, archive of stuff to watch. You can uh, stream things that are blocked in this country. Equally, if you're abroad and you want to watch your Sky TV or your Virgin Media or catch up on something on the BBC iPlayer, which you can't normally do because you're geo-blocked, you'll be able to do that by logging in via NordVPN. So honestly, it's a really helpful tool. And on top of all of those benefits that you get from it, you also uh, get greater protection uh, around your data as well and we know that cyber crime is is incredibly prevalent at the moment so yeah check it out i know a lot of you are users of nordvpn anyway um or have used it in the past and this is your opportunity uh to support the chronicles of aguna but also uh, get a huge discount plus four additional months free uh, all the details are in the description below uh, the link is there if you want to sign up and um as Tariq talks, any 3 p.m.s for Arsenal coming up soon, Nord will help that. It absolutely will. Um, okay, um, I was going to move on from the ticket thing. I promise we'll go past that in just a second. But there was a comment from uh, Jam Gunner who says, Harry, you're a bit 
you're being a bit short-sighted. Arsenal need to be planning to be in this position uh, every season, not planning for if we're not challenging. Mate, I would prefer that Arsenal spent whatever money it would cost to expand the stadium further, which I don't think is needed at this moment in time. I would prefer that they spent it on players and on improving the side and on adding depth to some of the positions in which we remain incredibly short. That is what I would be focusing on at this moment in time. This thing, this this idea of expanding the stadium, people just think, bang, you know what? We've got big ticket demand over these last few months, right? These demands weren't there, weren't even there as, as recently as the start of this season. But people have got huge demand now because of where Arsenal are, are, are in the table and how they're performing. And people think that the club can just click their fingers and go out there and expand the Emirates Stadium by 10, 15,000 more seats. It doesn't work like that. As I say, there's so much red tape that needs going through. And I don't think right now that should be a priority. I think right now it should be focusing on how this summer, regardless of what happens, whether we win the league or not, where we've shown incredible progress, we can back and support Mikel Arteta and Edu to continue in our drive towards success and continue to take this club towards uh, the position that it belongs in, which is right at the pinnacle of, um, of European football. Okay, uh, right, let's talk Ethan Nwaneri. Now, uh, a very famous name among the Arsenal fan base because, of course, he became Arsenal's youngest ever player. I think the youngest ever player in the Premier League, full stop, earlier in the season when he came on as a substitute against Brentford. I've had the opportunity to work on a couple of the under-21 games, um, you know, this uh, this season, and I've been really impressed by him. He, he looks incredibly talented, low centre of gravity. Um, you know, he's, he's just he's just a joy to watch. And he's one of those talents that you look at and you think, you know, if he can fulfil his potential, if he's got the right guidance and the right coach, this guy could be on, uh, could go on to become um, a household name. He's that good. I genuinely think that. But of course, when you're 16 years old, there are contractual issues or there is risk in terms of your contractual situation that another club can come in and take the player away. And from what we understand, there are a couple of clubs in particular that are circling around Ethan Waneri. And those clubs are Manchester City and Chelsea. Now, Ethan Waneri is free to do whatever the hell he wants to do. And I'm sure he's he's got good people around him who will be advising him, etc., etc. Um, but I've got a pretty strong opinion on this and a pretty strong view on this. And I think, um, I think if Ethan Waneri cannot see what he's onto at Arsenal, then by all means, let him leave. You know, I just, it frustrates me when you look at these young lads, right, who come through and have got loads and loads of talent and then you know, it's clear that they've been given a platform um, and an opportunity uh, at Arsenal Football Club to go on and develop and to push forward in their careers. You don't get that at all of the big clubs. You know, you don't get that at all of the big clubs. You just don't. And um, and um, that should be something that people are are proud of, that people look at and think is a benefit. Um, that... <sighs> Guys, bear with me one second. Um, one second. You're going to laugh if I tell you what I'm doing. Okay, she's gone. I'm, I'm basically, from my man cave at the end of the garden, right, I can see into uh, one of the rooms of my house. 
and uh, I'm just I just glanced up because I've got the blinds open. It's a lovely day. I'm looking out, and I can see my daughter, who is one and a half years old, hovering around the router, and it looks like she's about to press a button. And I've just texted my wife saying, "I'm on a live stream. Make sure she doesn't touch the router." <laughs> Maybe I should try and put it higher up, but she was looking menacing around that vicinity, so I had to. I had to stop for a second just to send that text and make sure that we're good for the rest of the show. Jesus Christ. Uh, what have we come to? Anyway, look, um, let me go back to what I was saying. Apologies for the the, the um, interruption. But Ethan Waneri is, as I say, very, very talented, but has been given a pathway at Arsenal that I don't think you get at every single football club. If Mikel Arteta bringing you on in a Premier League game isn't status enough of or a statement enough of his thoughts on you how much he rates you his intentions uh in terms of your development and your progression then I, d I don't really know what else you can ask for you're 16 years old Omari Hutchinson is another example of a young promising talented Arsenal player that was ripping it up at youth level doing really really well um, you know, there wasn't a week that went by where we didn't get a compilation of, of Amari Hutchinson dribbling past players, finishing shots off, just doing brilliant things. And he's gone to Chelsea because he thought the pathway was clearer. Before Chelsea, go and bring in about 472 players and block his pathway even further. Don't get, um, don't get sucked into this idea that clubs like Chelsea or even Manchester City offer you a clearer pathway than the Arsenal because they don't. Okay, they don't. Bukayo Saka is is the, the case study. Bukayo Saka is the example. He is the, the, the pin-up boy, the poster boy of what Arsenal Football Club represents. Yeah, we'll go out like all the other big clubs and all the other top clubs. And we will spend money to bring in good talent, top talent from all corners of the planet. But at the same time, you know, we do not block the development of our own. You know, we just don't. You know, people like Martinelli even, right? I know he wasn't brought up at Arsenal, but he's come in as a youngster for £6 million. doesn't matter what his status was, how much we were uh, paid for him or anything like that. If you're good enough, you'll get the opportunity at Arsenal. And I believe that is truer than ever under Mikel Arteta. And so if, if Ethan Waneri is in two minds about where his future lays and he's considering a move to Chelsea, as is being reported, then... That is the decision of a naive 16-year-old boy, and I hope that he's got the right people around him to make sure that he doesn't make a silly decision because your career can evaporate into nothing if you make a bad decision like that at this stage. You know, he'll go to Chelsea. If he does go to Chelsea, what will happen? He'll be knocking on the door. He won't get into the side, and then he'll be sent out on five, six loan deals before Chelsea eventually decide actually, mate, you're not going to make it. And when you're moving from club to club to club to club, how can you feel at home and develop? You can't. It's impossible. Um, you know, so, there's very few players that have been on multiple loan spells and then gone on to to really push on. Some uh, One good example is, is Martin Odegaard. But look how many clubs he had to go to before he got his move to Arsenal and then the opportunity at Arsenal to, you know, to progress to where he is today. It's, it, you know, you ask Martin Odegaard, I'm sure you sat down with Martin Odegaard now, he would tell you that, no, um, that's not a good idea. You don't want to end up in that loan cycle where you're moving from club to club to club. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is in it now. 
you know where's that going nowhere absolutely nowhere um Tariq talk said uh, you've already had enough live streams interrupted by people messing with things they shouldn't be messing with i watched the 90 min gas tank uh from earlier yeah <laughs> um yeah so for those of you that didn't see it we were live uh, in the 90 min studio now uh, our studio is in an office building right so um we we have part of it other companies are above and, and around you etc etc and um and so the 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 internet in the building is a communal internet right and the power is communal and everything is communal and basically we were in the middle of the live stream today the stream was flying we had lots of people live with us we were really getting into the heat of the debate we were talking potter we were talking everything check it out on the 90 min channel and all of a sudden the internet cut and we all looked at each other and went, what's going on here? Like Normally, the internet in this place is so bloody reliable. Like, it's so solid and strong. Like, how could the internet just cut out like that? And, and of all times, in the middle of a stream. Anyway, my colleague Scott Saunders uh, got up because we heard some men talking in sort of like the corridors. He got up and he went outside and he went, uh, lads, have you, uh, have you touched the internet? Guy goes, oh, yeah, mate, we're just doing some work in the building. And uh, we were just flicking off the fuses uh, to see which ones we needed to turn off. And, and we must have turned off the fuse. So you turned off the fuse, which our router was connected to in the middle of a live stream. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. And maybe it's that experience today that caused me to uh, panic when I saw my daughter in her uh, remote control car hovering <laughs> around the TV and where the router is. Jesus. But anyway, we move. Uh, we move okay uh so yeah one area look don't go don't go um and and i think Tariq sums this up well if we lose one area i blame the people around him not the kid himself he probably doesn't even decide when he goes to bed yet let alone which club he'll play for yeah often at that age you know you're going to be you're going to be made or you're going to be broken by the people that are advising you and the people that are around you it's so important to have good people um in your corner and um and at arsenal you have that you know, you have Jack Wilshere, you have Per Mertesacker, you have the rest of them. Um, at Chelsea, I'm not very familiar with the setup, but judging by how many players seem to get lost in that system, and particularly since Todd Bowley's taken over, where it's become even more about going out and hoovering up talent from elsewhere, I just don't see why that would appeal to a young footballer at this moment in time. But hey, um, if you're driven by money at 16, you got issues. I'm not saying Ethan Waneri is, but... That should be the least of your worries and least of your concerns at that age. It should be about development. It should be about pushing forward and moving forward in your career. And you're not going to do that at, this, at Chelsea in their current state. And I guess that's a nice segue into what's happened at Chelsea over the last 24 hours or so. Late last night, it was announced um, that Graham Potter had been sacked after less than seven months in charge of the club. Uh, lots and lots of uh, debate as to whether that was the right decision, the wrong decision. Look, my view on it is quite simple. In terms of results, in isolation, there is a case that Graham Potter should have been sacked. You know, you, you can't deny that. You look at where they are in the table. I think they've spent about £600 million since Todd Bowley come in, if I'm not mistaken. And they're languishing in the bottom half of the Premier League table. That's not acceptable. So from that side of things, I can understand why Chelsea pulled the trigger and I can understand why Chelsea fans some of 
them were celebrating and jumping up and down at the fact that he'd been sacked and and that they're no longer going to have to watch his team play anymore. But what it does do is make a mockery of this whole, we've got a plan, we know where we're going, we know what we're doing, we've appointed a manager uh, that will take us there and we've got a recruitment strategy that backs all of that up. Um, so yeah, like Chelsea as a football club, I think are embarrassing um, in the way that they're running at the moment and in the way that they're operating. I think they're, they claim to have this long-term plan. And the truth is, I think that Todd Bowley's making it up as he goes along. I don't think he's got a clue what he's doing. Um, and, and one of the keys in this kind of situation is, you know, you're, you might be a big businessman with a, a good business acumen, generally speaking, and a good record. But if you have no expertise in the business in which you're entering, you've got to make sure that you hire the right people. And I think you can ask questions about the people that Todd Bowley has around him. I think you can ask questions about the people making the recruitment decisions. I think there's so much broken at Chelsea Football Club that actually when you think about it, it's no surprise that they are where they are in the table. Um, yeah, so I feel a bit sorry for Graham Potter, but he didn't do his part. The results clearly weren't there, so I can understand why he was sacked. But I think the bigger issue for Chelsea and the bigger thing that people should be talking about is that actually... What does this do? It just proves to people that Chelsea haven't changed. Um, all that's changed is that they're more chaos, uh, more chaotic, uh, and they're more of a mess than they were under Roman Abramovich, which I didn't think I would say in some instances. Yes, Roman Abramovich was successful in terms of what they won and in terms of, you know, the the trophies and, and all of those things. But, you know, it was a chaotic club then. Um, the way it all ended with Roman Abramovich was incredibly chaotic um, and and damaging to the football club and so I understand that Todd Bowley's had to come in and rebuild but with those resources with the, the the platform from which Chelsea was starting let's be honest which was a strong one given the squad and what they had at their disposal to be where they are now having spent 600 odd million pounds under Todd Bowley is is nothing short of a disgrace and and I can't believe that there are Chelsea fans out there that defend Todd Bowley and the way he goes about things are in the 90 min channel today we got pelters in the comments for suggesting back in January that there didn't seem to be a plan at Chelsea. And we were constantly told, no, 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 they do have a plan. Of course they do. Graham Potter's there. That's why he hasn't been sacked yet. They're going to give him time. They're going to allow him to embed his philosophy and they're going to give him the opportunity to have a say on who comes in and who goes out. Graham Potter has repeatedly distanced himself uh, from some of the signings that Chelsea have made. And, um, and uh, in the end having not been able to produce the results with the resources given, he's he's been fired. And that's all well and good because I'd argue that he probably deserved to be fired. But at the same time, it does make a mockery of this trust us, uh, we will get it right with a long-term plan narrative because they're making mistake after mistake after mistake. They sacked Thomas Tuchel days after they brought Aubameyang in for him. Now they've got a striker on crazy money um, who isn't even registered to play in European football for them. It's it's just all a mess. It, it really, really is. And if I were a Chelsea fan, I'd be really worried about the direction in which Todd Bowley's taking the club because he doesn't care for them. And I tell you what, if shit hits the fan, Todd Bowley will sell up. He'll get out of there and he'll leave Chelsea in the mess that they were in when Roman Abramovich picked them up in the first place. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. 
Okay, um, let's take it on. Let's quickly talk about Manchester United's beating at Newcastle United and what a beating it was. That was a really, really good performance from Newcastle United. And I remember sort of saying after they came to Emirates that Newcastle were dull and they were boring and they were uh, negative. And after that, they went through a period where they were really struggling to score goals. And um, and I, I wasn't all that impressed by them, I have to be honest. But to be fair to them and, and to be fair to... Uh, Eddie Howe, they've managed to rediscover their form and I thought they were excellent against United yesterday. United were bad. Um, Let's not get away from that. Let's not pretend that uh, United weren't really, really poor on the day. But Newcastle were excellent, I thought. And, you know, the talk weeks ago was Manchester United are in the title race. No, they're bloody not. They never were and they definitely aren't now. That's the reality. That's the bottom line. Um, But anyway... Newcastle, full credit to them and all that did yesterday. As much as I enjoyed watching Manchester United get schooled, all that did was make me more nervous about our upcoming trip to St. James's Park between now and the end of the season. But hey. Okay, uh, quickly on uh, Manchester City and Liverpool. I mean, you, you talk a lot about how Manchester City have performed this season and they haven't been as formidable, but it feels like everything's clicked for them at the right time as far as they're concerned. So I'm scared um, about them, about the trip to the Etihad. I'm worried about their fixtures because I look at them and I think they could probably win every single one, which leaves not much margin for error as far as we're concerned. So yeah, that's another reason and another point as to why I won't say that the title race is done and dusted regardless of what happens at Liverpool I think there's too much football to be played and um, and of course you know there are still plenty of twists and turns that could occur between now and the end of the season okay uh, let's take a few questions before we wrap up um, quick word on uh, Brendan Rogers as well who was also sacked um, while you guys are getting your questions in about five months too late, if you ask me. Uh, in other news, uh, Crystal Palace got a victory through uh, Mateta's 94th minute goal. I'm happy for them. I've always said to you guys, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Crystal Palace. And um, and I'd love to see them stay in the Premier League. So I was glad to see them get that result. And what a contrast. They, I think they had 30-odd shots um, at the weekend, which they haven't got anywhere close to. They, I think they went three games without a shot on target just a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, big improvement there. New manager bounce, all of that. Uh, They did lose Wilfred Zaha to an injury. Hopefully that's not too serious. I don't know uh, what the outcome of the assessment is, but, um, you know, they could do with him in the running, certainly. But, yeah, anyway, um, let's get a couple of your comments and questions in before we say goodbye. Uh, Tariq says, Newcastle away will be just as difficult as Liverpool away, if not more. Mohamed goes on to say, Hi Harry, our match versus Newcastle is as difficult as the City match. They are electric at home, very physical and defensively impressive. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. I think that, you know, it is going to be a big test. And and you're kind of hopeful that we'll be in a position where we can afford to, you know, even just get a point there. Uh, Matt says, would you take draws against Newcastle, Liverpool and City? I'd certainly take a draw against City because it means they don't make up any ground on us. I'd take a draw against Liverpool as well um, because then they'd have made up two points of the five on us and we'd still have a three-point cushion. 
would I take it against Newcastle, which is the last of those games, by the way, in terms of the order that they come? Um, that would depend on where we're at. I'd certainly take draws against Liverpool and City. I think it's really important that we go to City and, and don't get beat. Or if we can forge a slightly greater advantage before we get to that point, you know, then we can lose in it and still hopefully be okay. What I'm saying is that for all Arsenal's great work this season and for all, um, you know, the, their brilliance, I still don't look at Arsenal as a team that I would say with chest, go to Manchester City and beat them. I don't think there's any team in Europe, really, that you can look at and say, I would guarantee they'd go to City and win. They're an extremely good side and they're going to be up for it. They're going to be desperate to shut people up, to to wrestle back control of this title race from us. And look, if this is the interesting thing, right? Their goal difference, I think, will be superior to ours come the end of the season. I know it's very close at the moment, but I think looking at the fixtures, you know, I think it's fair to say that the likelihood is theirs will be stronger. And so all we need to do is draw one game and them to win their game. They then close the points once we're on equal games, obviously. They then close the gap to three points. And then if they beat us at the Etihad with a stronger goal difference, they'd go above us. So we're only one draw away with Manchester City winning in the process from them putting it into their own hands. So our lead is nowhere near as commanding as people would have you believe. People keep talking about eight points. Yeah, because we played a game more. But the reality is it's five points, if we're being honest. And we are one draw with Manchester City winning away from Manchester City having it in their control. So we're not that far away and we're not that in control of the situation. Yes, it's in our own hands right now and that's great. You always want your destiny to be in your own hands where possible. But there is a lot of football to be played and you cannot say with any confidence that this is done and dusted. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, um, what have we got? Um, Tariq says, if we win the league, where does this Arsenal team rank in Arsenal teams in your lifetime? Well, obviously the Invincibles will be my number one, but I love the 97-98 team. I love the 2001-2002 team. Um, for me, this would be the most special of the title wins in that I just didn't see it coming. If we could do it, of course, if we can get over the line. I didn't see it coming at all. Um, at the start of the season... I'd have taken a top four finish. And so to be in this position now, you know, we're spoiled and, you know, I'm delighted. And, and whatever happens, I promise you, you won't catch me uh, passing this season off as a negative. You know, if we miss out, obviously I'll be disappointed and gutted like everybody else. But, you know, I think when the dust settles, I always say this, when the dust settles, you look back at it and be proud and uh, and pleased with the progress that we made. Um but yeah, this team will rank right up there for me because the culture, the the enthusiasm, the fact that it's such a young team, the fact that I feel so connected and invested. And, and for me, this will be really special because it's the first season I've covered the club in a professional capacity, week in, week out, uh, where they've been challenging for a Premier League title. So this will always be a season that I would remember in my career um, if, of course, we can get over the line. Look, I'll remember it anyway because it's been an incredible ride so far. But that would just take it up to, to a really new level and a, a higher level. So, yeah, um, it would rank very, very highly for me. Uh, Mickey says, how do you plan to celebrate our Premier League win this season? I've told you guys before, I'm not talking about any form of celebration at this stage because we are not there yet. Um, as I say, we're one draw away from giving up control to Manchester City in this title race. So let's not get carried away. 
Um, let's let's be careful not to do that. Mikel Arteta needs to drive that message into his players as well. Um, use the confidence from what you've achieved so far to to help you and to get you through difficult moments. But don't allow that confidence uh, to develop into arrogance because that's a really dangerous place to be uh, in a title race. And we are being chased down by a machine of a football club uh, with a machine of a centre forward uh, who have been so relentless in recent years. How could anybody anywhere write them off? So, yeah, long way to go still. Um, yeah, long way to go. Anyway, guys, uh, we are going to leave it there. Uh, thank you so, so much for tuning into the show. I really, really appreciate it. As always, uh, make sure you check out uh, NordVPN, our partners. Uh, this podcast is, of course, brought to you in partnership with NordVPN. It's the price of a cup of coffee per month and the benefits, I'm sure you'll agree, more than justify the cost. And as a football fan, there's plenty of things you can do with it that will be of huge benefit to you. DM me for some more info. But anyway, grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by visiting nordvpn.com forward slash Chronicles AFC to get a huge discount. Uh, and of course, four additional months for free. It's completely risk free because if you're unhappy with the service, you can cancel it and get your money back within 30 days. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the podcast. Very much looking forward to speaking to you all again. Uh, thank you for your input in the live chat. It's always great. Uh, to hear from you guys uh, your questions are fantastic your comments are excellent and really add to the show uh, so thank you so much for those as always and i will see you all uh, tomorrow with more arsenal related content until then uh, enjoy your monday enjoy your tuesday if you're listening to this on tuesday as well just enjoy life basically is what i'm saying i'll catch you all soon until then take care goodbye Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.